listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. What an amazing time of worship that was. Sometimes we get a little quieter than we normally do for our worship. And uh, let me grab this stool over here. And that's good because it allows us to just uh, focus in on on heart issues and things that need renewal of the mind. And that's where we are right now in a series called The War Within. We are now trying to look within ourselves throughout this series and find some of the issues that have been a struggle, particularly within our thought process, how we think about certain issues in our lives and how we respond to them biblically sometimes, but also how we respond to them somewhat uh, differently than what the Bible tells us we should do, than what God tells us we should do. So when we say in this sermon series, The War Within, we're talking about that inner conversation that we all have, a conversation that's between our sinful nature and and, and the other hand being the voice of God. And the question that we've been asking ourselves Uh, throughout this series is how to do that. How do we get the conversation to win for God's side? Because ultimately that will improve our, our walk with Jesus. It will improve the way that we uh, think about ourselves. And ultimately it will lead to a more fruitful life in the gospel. Meaning now my actions match what I believe. Now my actions match what I've been Uh, what I've been professing to believe, what I hold to be true. And one of the key passages for this series uh, has been Romans 12, 2. And in Romans 12, 2, we're told that we're not to be conformed, excuse me, do not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And as we were preparing today's sermon series, we realized, you know what? We're not going to have a lot of men in the house because a lot of them went off to a retreat. And we realized quickly what God was saying we needed to do. We needed to talk specifically, especially in some of the issues happening today, we needed to talk specifically about renewal of the mind issues that women face. But it would be really awkward and really uh, arrogant of me to stand up here and say, well, I'm the expert in women issues. You know, I just, I got this down, son. You know, y'all women, you just need to listen to me. It would be ridiculous, right? I can't identify. I can't relate uh, as well as a woman can. But more importantly, when we mention these issues today, we want to make sure that we give biblical answers to some of the renewal of the mind issues that women face. So I will invite someone in just a moment to come up to the stage to help me answer those questions. But I want to challenge the congregation to one thought. This is not a sermon for women. This is a sermon for men and women. Because part of the issue that women face in their sinful nature is also partly our fault. It's partly the society, uh, rather the culture of society that we've enforced and that we've placed, we've pushed some of these things onto the identity issues that women face. And so partly it's our fault. So this message that we're talking today, that we're struggling through is a man and a woman issue. It's something that both of us should care. And so the person that I'm bringing to stage in just a moment, stay right there, is Jody Bell. Jody Bell is a real estate agent 
for Keller Williams, and she's one of the top agents. I'm not just saying that. She truly is. She's a mother. She's a spouse. Uh, her husband, Brian Bell, is the principal of Arrowhead Christian Academy High School, uh, and he's also an assistant head of the overall school. Uh, both of them, Brian and Jody, are pastor's kids, as some people in the church say, PKs, right? Because they're pastor's kids. Um, they're, both of their dads are pastors. Uh, but more importantly, the reason I'm bringing up Jody Bell is because, like many of us, she's not perfect. But she's experienced as, uh, as a wife, as a mother, and as a woman struggling with identity issues, she's, she's learned how to, throughout her life, without perfection, but she's learned with, throughout her life how to renew her mind with a lot of these issues. So can you please give it up for Jody Bell? <laughs> well, well played, well played. So um, just to, before we get started with this Q&A, I want to let you guys know how this Q&A was sort of built. What I did was I reached out to a lot of my female friends, a lot of friends uh, that, uh, from di- that are from different age ranges, but also c- different cultural backgrounds, and asked them as women, what are some of the issues that they face and, and they had a lot of great responses in terms of some of the identity issues that they face in today's society. And so I sat down with Jody on Thursday and we went through these. And what, we, what she helped me do was find answers that are both biblical and life-given uh, to these issues. Um, so I'm going to start these questions and then I'm going to allow Jody to share with us her insight from a biblical perspective. One of the first questions that, uh, that came up often in talking with women was uh, regarding the sexual identity, the sexual images that a lot of them have to face. Uh, in particular, there's an over-sexualization of women uh, and the use of social media and how those two play together. Um, also, some pressures from within regarding self-esteem and self-image, fear of fa- failure, and the roles that women have to choose over, career, family, ministry, ministry and struggles with envy. Just, those are just some of the key words, highlights that came out of this survey that I did with some of my uh, women friends. So I'll ask you this first question, Jody, and you can kind of help process those. What are some of the pressures that society imposes on women? So I think when we think of that question, um, probably immediately what comes to mind is a picture of a sexy model. Mm. Um, And I was thinking you may even picture our first lady, Melania Trump. Um, So that's one pressure, like we're supposed to look like that. But that's not the only pressure. Um, You should be hot and sexy, but you should also be professional and accomplished. Um, So forget... Melania Trump, the first lady, let's think of Ivanka Trump, the first daughter, because she's also, she's beautiful, but she's also successful in business. So Mm. just being pretty isn't good enough. And then that's not good enough either, because you also should be brilliant and you should be physically fit. So then that comes to mind, our former first lady, um, uh, Michelle Obama. So, you know, that's, that's another pressure, but then also that's not good enough. Um, you should have some kids, but not too many kids. So, um, I, and the kids should be healthy. They should be smart. They should be athletic. They should be good looking and they should be well-behaved. Um, but nobody really famous comes to mind for that, <laughs> but you can just picture like a random family for that. 
Um, and then I think another pressure is that we should be good cooks. We should make healthy, organic, Pinterest-worthy meals. Um, and our houses should be gorgeous, and they should be ever-changing with the season. So I think that's a, a few of the pressures that we have as women. That's so funny that you mentioned that. I'm originally from Puerto Rico, and the cooking one is, is so, par- so much a part of our culture. When our, when our mothers, us the males, ask us about a girl we're dating, the first thing, one of the first things they'll ask is, but can she cook? And can she cook as good as me? <laughs> and, and so what that does is that it creates that, that perception in both women and men. Oh, yeah, she has to be a good cook. You know, she has to be a good cook. <laughs> so that, that's, that, those are some of the pressures that society imposes on women but the problem is that also creates pressures that women face from within. Meaning after a certain point, sometimes women have issues that, are, that they are personally struggling with that might no longer be a consequence or directly related to what society does. So what, what do these pressures that society has given us, how do they create pressures from within? Particularly, what are those pressures that women face from within? Well, I was thinking that social media takes these pressures to a whole new level. So we always wanted to keep up with the Joneses, but it used to be that we could only see the Joneses' house and their yard and maybe what they look like when they left for work in the morning. But now we know that the Joneses are going apple picking and that their daughters are winning the gymnastic contest, and we also know what uh, restaurant they went to last night. So then that just creates a greater and greater pressure, and I think that becomes an inner dialogue of, Mm. I'm not as good as Mary. Um, She's making better meals. Her kids are doing better. Maybe Mm. if I bought some more, maybe if I worked harder, um, that those, that I would, you know, I would be able to keep up with her. So I think that that's just ratcheted up the pressure that there always was pressure, but now we can, you know, we're, we're putting out these beautiful pictures that we, then we're all trying to compete with. So then it becomes like a negative self-talk. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, you know, and I, I can already hear a lot of the, the concerns uh, that I heard from some of my female friends, as Jody mentions that a lot something that they would uh, that they all expressed frustration with is the the comparison and a lot of times they deal with comparing themselves and looking to the side and seeing uh, what if if a certain standard is what they 're supposed to look like so how do we handle all these pressures the, both from the world and from social media? How do we handle these pressures? How do women handle these pressures? Well, I think these pressures seem relentless because we choose not to put it down. We choose not to turn off the phone. But I want to go back to the verse you mentioned, Romans 12, 2, which says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we're not to be conformed. We're supposed to be transformed. And our Christianity is a core of every part of our lives. So that means our work, our relationships, our entertainment. So if there's a TV show and it's about trying to catch a guy because of how sexy you are, or there's a person on YouTube who's teaching you how to pick up guys better at a bar, we need to evaluate that and say, you know what, I need to turn that off. That's not matching up to God's standard. So Mm -hmm. I think we need to take our entertainers and hold them up to God's standard. And if they don't match, then it's time to turn it off. 
But so we're not to be conformed to the world, but we're to be transformed. And we only can be transformed if we're feeding in from God's word. Mm. And I think if any of us took a look at how much time we spend on entertainment and social media versus how much time we spend in God's word, we would see no wonder we're torn towards the world because we're feeding ourselves that. Mm. Um, and I, I recently, I told you about the story. I heard um, about these girls in England, they're like the top social media, you know, clickers, get, getting clicks, and they're all party girls. And so they took them and they put them in with nuns for a week. So they had to turn off their phones and they just had to hang out with the nuns. And it was interesting because they changed in just a week. And they, one of the things that they said was that it was such a relief not to have the pressure. Because these girls are like right up at the top of, you know, YouTube or Instagram or whatever. So everything that they would do, every sexy picture is getting another thousand likes and they said they just never stopped it was 24 hours so to just be able to put that aside it really even for these girls just um, changed their perspective so I think we have to think about the parts that we can control so we can turn off you know Facebook or turn off the TV but there's other things we can't control we can't stop seeing the ads we can't stop seeing um, what's in the press so um and when you mentioned to me even like the, the social media pressures, it's funny because my first thought was the house and the family. Like on Facebook, my house needs to look great. My family needs to look great. But for the younger women, they were telling you the pressure for them was that they needed to look sexy. So for me, that ship has sailed. <laughs> and, and I, you know, but the pressures, they change, but they don't, they don't go away. So um, I think that we need to keep focusing on what God says. And one verse that came to mind was Proverbs 31.30, which says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So, you know, we all want to look good, and I didn't get up here today without thinking about my outfit or doing my hair, but it has to be in perspective. Fearing the Lord has to be up here, and charm and beauty are down here. So I think that's really important. Mm. And I think it's important to remember that God made us. And when I thought of that, I thought about my nose, and this is going to sound funny, but when I was in fifth grade, um, I was at school, and the kids at school told me that my nose looked like a ski slope for ants. So I'm going to give you my perspective. You see my little (laughs) ski jump nose? So I came home crying from fifth grade about my nose, and my dad did all he could to comfort me and tell me that I had a great nose, but I didn't believe him. And so all through junior high and high school, I felt like my nose was really ugly, and I felt really badly about how I looked. And so then I went to college in New York, and I was babysitting for a family, and the woman happened to be Jewish, and she picked me up, and I got in the car, and she looked at me, and she said, oh my gosh, I love your nose. And I was like, what? And she said, all my friends are having their noses done just like that. <laughs> and and I, I was so shocked. But it's just so funny that, like, for all those years, I hated my nose. And here people are spending good money for my nose. You know, so it just helps to put in perspective <laughs> that God made us the way that we are. And if there's something that we don't like about ourselves, God made us that way. He gave it to us. So who are we to question that and to put ourselves down because... It was, you know, it was a gift from God. So that was um, a perspective for me. Um, another verse that came to mind is First Peter 3, 4. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Mm. And I was thinking, have you ever met someone with a beautiful spirit? And if you have, you just see the love of God and the love for people coming out of them. And if only we spent so much time trying to be beautiful within instead of being beautiful without, we would have a lot less pressure, I think. 
Yes, amen. That's so good. So what does the transformed woman look like? I mean, this series is all about renewal of the mind, waging the war within. What does a transformed woman look like? What biblical standards in terms of identity, value, what, what are those standards that, that she should live by? I think this in particular applies to everyone. So, guys, I didn't know you were going to be back in time for this, but um, the transformed person is not unaware of those around themselves, but he or she chooses to place her sights on something else. Mm. Um, I heard a sermon last week about Joseph, and we all know that you know his brother sold him into slavery, and he went to jail, but he kept choosing to do the right thing and kept choosing mm. to follow God. And same thing with Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. Mm-hmm. So we need to keep choosing. And honestly, I chose to live in a neighborhood that where I don't feel competition. And that might sound funny, but I think the women are going to feel me on this. Um, I, an envy of my neighbor is a real weakness for me. So I live in a little bungalow neighborhood where people get excited if you get a new doorbell. Like, that's what we do. <laughs> that is the truth. And I, I don't live in, in the neighborhoods, you know, for the more aspiring folk. But I needed to choose that because, for me, if I lived next door to the Joneses and they were two steps up on me, it would be really hard battle. So I think we have to take those things into account. And I think the transformed person thinks about Christ first. Um, you have to step outside yourself and get a global perspective. And when I thought of this, I thought about Ivan, who's from our church. Right now, he's at home in Uganda, and he's visiting his village where he's from, and they live in mud huts with thatched roofs. Mm. And so I think the transformed person is aware of that. And so it, it helps us to escape that microcosm that Hollywood sets up for us. Yeah. That's just the here and now. Or even the microcosm of your high school friends, who you're friends with on Facebook, and who are now competing, who's husband has the best job, who drives the best car, whose kids look the cutest. If, if we can see it from a, a, wor- a global perspective and God's perspective, that's going to change our view on that. Oh, and I think I have one more thing, which I want to say is that when we're transformed, we're not going to fit in. Mm. We're not from here. This isn't our home. Um, our home is in heaven. And so we're just not going to fit in. So we don't need to kill ourselves to do that. We don't have to look like everybody else or win the competition um, for the cutest shoes or whatever it is because this isn't our home. We're just passing through. So I think that helps us too. That's amazing. And, and, and what comes to mind is I think about that what the transformed woman look, looks like versus what the world is telling uh, women they have to look like. A lot of the stories that have come out in the news and the media have come to mind. A- actresses sharing on how they had to audition for a role, and the audition included lining up naked uh, so that they can see what their bodies look like. That's, that, that's horrific, and it's gross, and it's disgusting. But that, that's unfortunately the society pressures that are being uh, forced upon women. It's not good enough that they can act the role, but can they look a certain way? So the transformed woman is going to rise above that and she will not conform to that pattern of the world she's not going to fit in i love that you said that jody um how do we in light of the hollywood events by the way the harvey weinstein uh situation how do we address the current issue of sexual harassment and assault i think it's really important that we address that right now in this time and age um with harvey weinstein and the whole me too response um 
most of you know my kids, they're both at college in New York City, and my daughter has three roommates, and they have a whiteboard in their apartment, and it's called the cat call of the week. And so they write up their, not, you know, a cat call, but whatever's the one that stood out wow. the most. Um, and so Brendan, my son, went to the apartment the other day, and he said, wait, what is that? And so they said, they explained to him, and he said, I, I had no idea that as a woman living in the same neighborhood that I live in, that you experience that all the time, because I certainly don't get it. So I thought that was eye-opening for both of them to see that um, we do as women, we are exposed to things that, that men just don't have to face, and I think it's important for us to talk about. Um, I do want to say that I think it's a wonderful thing to be a Christian and to have a calling to follow Christ in this situation because when you are sexually harassed or there is pressure, you know that the answer is no. So that you're not wrestling with, should I do this questionable mm. thing? Um, when I first got out of college, I worked at NBC at the studios in New York, and there were 40 of us. We were pages. So imagine 40, 20-year-olds 20, 20 um, together all the time. And then, um, so the, the sexual harassment and the sexual pressure within those four walls of the 40 of us was huge, not to mention the higher-ups. But for me to know that, no, I'm not going to sleep with you, no, I'm not going to do that thing, as the answer already, I didn't have to think about it, was a, a tremendous relief. And I had to know that, yeah, it could maybe get me ahead, it could help my career, but it's not an option. Just like for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, yeah, it would be great not to fry, but I, I'm not going to do it. It's not an option. So I don't have to like stay up at night to think about it. Mm. I cannot do it. But I want to roll right into the next question is what happens when you are assaulted or you are bullied and you become the victim? Um, and I want to say that when that line is crossed, that the, what we can do and have to do is call out to our Father for for healing mm. and for love um, and for restoration because our God loves us so much and he hurts when we hurt yes. and he wants to heal us to help us to recover from that. And um, like both John three sixteen and Romans 5, 8 talk about how God loved us so much and how much did he love us? He loved us so much that he gave his son for us. Yeah. So if he would sacrifice his only son for us, of course he cares when we're hurt and we're abused in that fashion. So um, I really do think, and it doesn't mean that we shouldn't press legal charges, that we shouldn't take our, our rights to fight that and to fight for the next woman, but we do also have that love and comfort from our Father that yes. we can go to. Yes. Um, wow. Uh, I, I think it, it's, for us men, I'm just going to say this, it, it's, it's a good reminder to, to hear this because um, I, I, sometimes we forget how close to us victims are. I wouldn't be surprised if most women here in this church have experienced some form of harassment or assault. And that, that, as I said, is disgusting, but it happens. And we need to be, as men, we need to be ready to stand up for righteousness. And any little detail that we can help to contain the, the front of evil in this, in this whole situation, anything that we can do, we should do. And it starts with the simple things. I brought up Hollywood earlier. I remember Wonder Woman, the movie, when it came out. Before Wonder Woman as a movie came out, before the first movie that actually featured her, the dialogue on the internet was not whether or not she was a good person in her role for that. The dialogue between men was, were her breasts big enough? 
that it's shameful, but that's, that's what happens. And, 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 and here's the, here's the even almost humorous, even more disgusting and humorous part to it. After the movie came out, men were saying, no, it was okay. She was hot regardless. And that's, that it's, it's humorous, but it's disgusting. And, and, and we can do something about it. It, it's, it's hard, but as men, when our fellow uh, male friend talks about that stuff, we need to not conform to the patterns of the world. We need to say, you know what? That's messed up. I mean, especially if we call ourselves Christians, we can't allow that to fly. That cannot be allowed to fly because that contributes to the pressures that women face. And, I, and, I, and I'm not telling men to do that because... I've done a perfect job at it. I'm preaching to myself as well. Here's the next question. This one was really, uh, was really spoken to me with, with an honest, humble, searching uh, spirit. Should a woman who wants to be a mother be a full-time mother, or should she do both? I think that's a really important question, and I think it's important for each family to evaluate this for themselves. And also, not you don't just evaluate this once. Like you say, what am I going to do when the baby is born? But it also happens when they're one, two, three, five, six. You have to keep evaluating for you and your family um, what is best for us at this point. And I've been a stay-at-home mom. I've also worked part-time, and now I work full-time. But let me tell you, none of those options are easy. Um, and, and as all of you moms know that, when I was a full-time mom home with babies, I look at Brian, I used to cry a lot. <laughs> And I, I used to tell Brian that I want to quit my job, but I can't. No, nobody wanted my job, so I, I couldn't give it away. Um, Brian worked really long hours back then, and um, I would cry him, and all, I would call him, and all three of us would be crying. So um, I remember those days. And then eventually, um, as the kids got older, I started to work part-time. And I remember the first day I got to the office, I walked in, and I was like, it's so quiet. It, it felt so good, but it was also a struggle to earn enough to pay for a babysitter to cover both my working hours and my commuting hours. And then also like somehow the kids were freaked out if I didn't go to a school event, you know, it was okay for dad not to be there, but if mom doesn't show up for the, the great publishing party of 2003, then, um, they were really put out. So that was a lot of pressure then too. Um, so it's not, it's not easy. And I just want to say that mamas, if you are home, you are really valuable, but but mamas, if you're at work, you are also very, very valuable. And I just want to be sure that you're prayerfully considering what's right for your family and to be aware that transitions are hard. If you're at home and you're going to work, or if you're at work and you're going to come back home, those transition times are tough. It's a huge amount of stress as you settle into whatever is new. So I just, um, want to tell you, I, I feel for you. Um, and I'm trying to see the time. I guess we won't read through it today, but Proverbs... we, we get, we're good on time. We're good on time. Don't all worry. right. Well, all right. Well, let's pull up, let's pull up Proverbs chapter 31, starting at verse 10. Hopefully. There we go. So I'm just going to read this out loud. Um, an excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. 
She brings her food from afar. It sounds like Pinterest. <laughs> She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers her field and she buys it. In the fruits of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hand to hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself and her clothing in fine linen. Uh, Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchants. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. I can't really see that. Many, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Hmm. I just think that that's so amazing that that was written by God thousands of years ago. So don't ever let anyone tell you that Christianity puts women in a box, that her accomplishments are no joke. Um, there's just so much that she's doing. Um, so I think that as God gives us tasks, whether it's to be home with our children or whether it's to work, um, we know that he can bless us in that. And I want to tackle a sub question, which is, do women have equal value to God? And we do, we're all unique, but we all have equal value to God. Um, in Galatians 3.28, it tells us there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no female nor male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And then verse 29 says, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Amen. So we're all of equal value to God. We're all part of his promise um, that he made to Abraham so many years ago. So we don't need to feel like we, um, we don't stack up. I'm just going to keep rolling here, Ricardo. My last thing. I just want to say that God never changes. So Sarah, back in the day, she had struggles. We have struggles. Sarah didn't know what Instagram was, nor um, our Facebook. But God is the same God. And so he has answers for us. And so just as we're not to be conformed to this world, we're supposed to be transformed. We need to be looking in the Bible. We need to be looking to God. We need to be looking to the fellowship with our brothers and sisters. Sisters yes. to find those answers. It's not like now it's at 2017 and God has nothing to say to us. He didn't know this was coming. He yes. did, and he's the same God. Um, in Hebrews 13, 8, it says Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. Mm. So I just find that reassuring that his word is truth and that we can rely on that um, even for such things as this. That's amazing. Can you guys give it up for Jody Bell? Thank you so much for sharing with us. I truly appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I can't help but continue to think about what we as men can do um, to help, to stand by them, um, and help them in, their, in the issues that they're facing. And it's a renewal of the mind battle for us as well. We need to change those beliefs that have been hardwired and, and, and pressed onto our minds regarding women. We need to... We need to, st- to to, to hold ourselves accountable to such a higher standard, a biblical standard, a God-loving and valuing standard. See, 
I have, that last question she answered, full-time mom, not full-time mom. I have women in my life, both friends and family, that are both either professionals or full-time mothers, and I have equal respect and value for them. I don't see one as better than the other. In fact, I see how each of the one is a blessing uniquely to their family in that sense. So we need to remember that. It's not our place, as she said, to try to box women, but rather we let the we, we let the God who created them define them. We, and we must be acquainted with that so that we know what that is and we can support that identity that they seek. As we close this series now, The War Within, I've talked with so many of you and I've received so much feedback regarding it. And, and, and here's what's amazing. So many of you are responding, not just listening to, oh, I need to change, but responding. And I include myself. And that's empowering. And so um, what I want to do now is I invite the, ba- the band to come back up, the worship band, uh, to come back up to the stage. Um, I, want, I want to allow a moment uh, for prayer. And we have prayer partners that usually come up after service, and we pray for people after service. But I, I want to allow a moment right now, because if this rings true with you, man or woman, I want this to be an opportunity for you to come up to pray. I'm going to have Jody and Monica to come up here. And if you want to receive prayer at this moment, as the band starts playing something lightly, uh, this is the time. See, here's the thing. If you're like me, if you struggled with sexual temptation in the past, that's me. I'm just going to be honest because I want to empower you guys to seek change now. If you've struggled with sexual situations, this is the time. Come up, receive prayer. If you've struggled with identity, am I good enough? Uh, am, I, am, am, am I good enough compared to my other friends, whether male or female? You can come up right now. We can pray for you. If you struggle with fear, fear, crippling fear, anxiety. I have OCD. I struggle with anxiety. If you struggle with some form of anxiety, now's the time to come up, male or female. If you struggle with competition, envy, self-image, insecurities, doubts, frustrations about who you are. This is the time to come up and, and we'll pray for you. We're not going to disclose what you're praying for. You talk with whoever is here and we'll pray for you. You need prayer because you, you've been imprisoned by the own shackles of pressure that society has forced and you've accepted. Society gave you shackles of pressure and you shackled yourself. You need freedom from that. Now's the time anything that you need renewal of the mind for, addictions, insecurities, all of those, we lay at the feet of the cross. So as the band continues to play lightly, I'm going to allow a few moments. If no one comes up, that's fine. If you don't feel like coming up now, you want to do it after service, that's okay. But if you need freedom from these things, if you need freedom from the society-imposed issues, if you need freedom from your addictions, from your insecurities, from all of those things, Come up because this is a life-changing moment where you can pray. Self-image, whatever it is, come up and receive a prayer. We'll just, uh, I'll, I'll just close my eyes now. We're going to close our eyes and whoever wants to come up can come up. And if not, then that's fine too. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this time where people have stepped up, received prayer. I pray for those that have not stood up but still want prayer over their lives, Lord that you would empower them, that if they still want to receive prayer after service, that they would come up to one of us, that we would pray for them, that they would continue praying for themselves, Lord, that we would surround ourselves by prayer, 
seeking a renewal of the mind, seeking a renewed heart, a a right spirit within us so that we would obey you, not for a religious gain, but rather because we've been accepted, now we obey, Lord. I pray that that would be true in our lives. As the ushers come forth for the tithes and offerings, Lord, I pray that you would use them, use these tithes and offerings, these givings, these sacrifices, Lord, of, of our financial part, that you would use them to multiply them and that you would use them to reach the city of Redlands and beyond, that you would bless the world, Lord, with your redemption, with your restoration, with your renewal of the mind in us, Lord. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.